we are a church, as, as you've heard from me uh, quite a few times from the stage, we're part of a network of churches known as the HTB network of churches where we were planted from, and, um, but we're also part of the Church, Eng- church of England. More importantly, we are part of the Church of England. Uh, I am an Anglican priest. Um, Pete is an Anglican deacon, and Gareth's an Anglican priest, wherever they are now. Um, we, we, we're ordained in the Church of England. We're part of the Church of England structures, and so I have... A, I actually have a boss, and um, my boss is the Bishop of Plymouth. So you please, would you welcome Bishop James this morning? Thank, Thank you. you so much. Please do sit down. Comfortable? comfortable? Oh, it's nice, isn't it? It is. Ikea. Like most, did you, did you <laughs> buy these especially for my visit or borrow them? We we borrowed them for your for your visit. I we spoke n- to the family. You nicked them off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Last night. Yeah, yeah I did. They it. said that. Uh, they said you came <laughs> round and took them. Uh, Bishop James, it's so um, yeah, good to have you with us. Thank you for coming. We got this. I think we locked this date in um, back in October. Um, and your diary is very full, it seems. So this is where we could get you. Um, but thank you so much. Um, you, fairly recently, the Bishop of, of Plymouth, um, new to the role, despite ha- how you look, you're not actually the youngest bishop in, in the country, are you? Which I was, I was surprised by. Thanks. Yeah. No, gen- no gen- it's a, that's a, that is a genuine compliment. Um, <laughs> As opposed to all the Now rest. to the rest of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> bishop James, we... Um, Bay Church is is made up of a, a, a quite a dynamic group of people. So people from Baptist churches, you probably noticed them. They were standing like that during worship. Um, the charismatic. I'm about. I grew up a Baptist. I can say it. Um, there we've got people from Pentecostal church backgrounds. We got people here today who perhaps are here in church for the very first time. Uh, we got people here who perhaps wouldn't even call themselves Christians here this morning, but are sort of finding this a safe and comfortable place to explore their faith. We've got a range of people in the building today. Um, so my first question is, for, for everyone really, what is a bishop? Well, Matt, as a priest in the Church of England, you could probably answer that, couldn't you? I, I could. I could, <laughs> um, yeah. So you've already said that uh, the bishop is your boss. Correct. We'll keep that underlined. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think the danger is we see it as a kind of hierarchy uh, of importance or, or power and authority. Actually, I think it's almost the opposite. There's an organization which talks about a reverse pyramid of the important bit in the Church of England is the people in a parish. Whether they come to church or not, the Church of England is there to be a church for everyone. So they're the most important bit. And then it kind of narrows down to who's serving who. So you as a, a you just talked about your crews and that. They're serving the people in this area. You're leading them uh, with your, your lads and the rest of the staff team. Um, uh, and then you have others, and we're here to really look after and lead the leaders. So my job is, rather than being his boss, it, it's to be a pastor to the pastors. So looking after the priests, the leaders, the lay people. Um, also, there's some stuff around strategy, things like starting Bay Church. I wasn't responsible. I'll take the credit, but I didn't. Uh, so the bishop at the time will have been part of that strategy. And the other great thing about being a bishop is... Uh, Still, in this kind of weird world where what's the Church of England, how does it relate, do people still come to church, is weirdly people still want a bishop at things. Uh, So I I have been amazed, particularly in Plymouth, that at events, 
alongside the Lord Mayor and the head of the police and the head of the military, they want the bishop to come and, and have a say. So a bishop is a servant to the, the public sphere of talking about Jesus and faith out there in the world. Amazing. That's great. Um, you mentioned um, about how uh, the, the, well, the bishop's role in playing its part in the, the shaping of, of Bay Church and starting all of that, because um, you know, those of you who have been coming along for a while, you've heard me talk about uh, mine and Fiona's journey to, to coming to Tor Bay and how we felt called and all that sort of stuff, but we haven't really heard the perspective from the diocese. Like, What, what was, what was the, the thinking behind you know, Bishop Robert, Bishop of Exeter, and, and, and the, the senior team there about wanting Bay Church to, or wanting a church in Tor Bay like this? Can you tell us a bit about that, that story and that perspective? Yeah, um, from my perspective, understanding of it. Uh, so one of the things the Church of England did a while ago was realize that we can't just keep on doing what we've kept on doing because we're not having the effectiveness we want. That, that people who used to come to church because it's their village church doesn't happen anymore. The latest census talked about half the people who were claimed to be Christians, let alone want to come to an Anglican church. So Church of England said we need to be more strategic and we need to give serious money to some places where we feel it's going to have a real effect. Uh, it's controversial because all churches are going, well, if we had more money, we'd do a better job. Um, so there are two ways they've done it. One is they've gone for uh, university cities where they're saying that students, young people, we can influence their lives. 80-something percent of people who become Christians become Christians before they're 25. So let's invest in that age group. Also, they're the missing age group. Uh, and then there's other places where dioceses go, actually, it's not a university city, but this is an area we've got to invest in. Uh, and we can't do it. We haven't got the finance, the resource to do something in the bay. There are great churches in the bay, but wouldn't it be amazing to have a church that's got capacity and resource and vision to do more than others can do? So that was the heart behind Bay Church. They talked about loads of different ways of doing things, but actually to start a church and to give it genuine resource so that you know one day they could get heating, <laughs> things like that. Uh, but also... To have a team that may feel overly invested, but, but we want to invest in children, young people, and community. We wanted to make a difference from kind of ground zero in a place that wasn't really being used. Amazing. And um, you, when, you, when it was announced that you were going to be the bishop, I, I gave a really big like, fist pump oh. into the air. I was really excited. Had for we you. met at that point? We had <laughs> already <laughs> met, yeah. yeah. We, we'd met a few times. Because you, you were the um, mission enabler yeah. for the diocese, sort of helping churches around the diocese with, with their mission, with their outreach, and, and resourcing sort of the wider diocese, the, the village churches, as you said, yeah. and, and more widely as well. And um, I, was, yeah, I was genuinely really, really excited when the news came in. I think beca uh, because I... Hearing um, a bit about your story and your experience, um, uh, you're, you're fairly familiar with sort of our setup of, of church, aren't you? And, and you have actually been involved in church planting yourself, starting yeah. something new, starting from, from scratch, um, unlimited church uh, with your wife. And uh, could you tell us a bit about that story, some of the things that you saw happen there? Yeah, your heart for church planting and yeah, reaching a, the younger generation. Yeah, so um, uh, my story before was we were in quite large churches. Uh, I was really a pastor, a discipler working within the church. Uh, and God really kind of slightly set us up um, to come through a whole series of things. To come down to Exeter in 2007 and start a church trying to work with young people with no interest in or experience of church. 
so we, we took on a, a medieval church in the city center uh, and began to work with young people, particularly around next to college. We also did some stuff which is a bit more long, kind of longer vision of schools work to try and re- engage with young people. So when they went to Exeter College, we'd know them already. Uh, and started with uh, Liz and I and our two young children who were, one of them's here, so I need to remember how old he was at the time, uh, young. And, uh, and, and no one else. And, uh, and then some other people came and joined us. And uh, what we used to do in the early days, before we had anything else, was we'd go out on the Cathedral Green where there were loads of college kids, uh, and we'd go up to them and we'd say, um, we're trying to start a church. We, what, what would you do? What, if, you, if you went to church, what, what would it look like? Um, have you ever been to church? Uh, and then we talked to them a bit about that, and they'd say music, food. Um, it was extensive market research. And then we'd say to them stuff like, what about God? It, you know, what do you think about God? Uh, and they'd say, oh, I don't know, I never really thought about him. Uh, just to stereotype every young person in Exeter. Uh, and then we'd go, well, well, what do you think God thinks about you? Can we ask him? And then we'd pray for them. Uh, and, and so we used to pray with kids, the young people every, we would try and do it every Wednesday. And if they came into, we started a cafe after a while. And if they came into the cafe, our aim was always, the dream was always, if they come in at, at least, if they come twice, we had to offer to pray for them. Um, and that was just amazing. Praying with young people, I had no idea whether God exists. Uh, and having a sense, we didn't always get it right, but just a sense of maybe God saying this about you uh, and times when it was just mind-blowing stuff only God could know. We also used to do, just to make a sound cool, uh, we're opposite two nightclubs and we used to do a night cafe um, from midnight till three in the morning just to engage with young people and be where they were and be a safe space and a resource. Um, um, is there anything f- from that that you sort of learn any, or any amazing stories of what uh, took place? Well, uh, Liz, my wife, is better to be up here answering this question. Liz wrote a book. It's available on all good bookshops, uh, or yes. from me, because we still have a few to sell, uh, of her 10 years of that story. Did you bring some with you? I didn't, no. stupidly. But um, I'll sell you some later. Um, uh, it's interesting. One thing we learned, which is interesting for a church that's kind of grown this big this soon, is we never really grew. <laughs> we, we held our own a bit, but, but what really happened was because we're quite a small church, everybody had to be involved. Uh, so we didn't really have much in a way of teams. You were the team. We divided the church in five, uh, and they took it in turns to be the welcome team, and they took it in turns to be the guy that cooked the meal and things. Uh, and at the time, people were grumpy and resistant and moaned. But what's amazing is meeting people now, you know, even 10 years on, who would go, that our discipleship, our journey with Jesus was so affected by the fact there were no passengers in the church, we had to come and be involved. So as you talking about being on the crew earlier, I think it felt like they were doing it to make the church operate. Actually, what they were doing was by being involved, was it challenged, changed, tested our faith, grew our faith. Um, so I think that was probably one of the key things. Um, I think also, I'm really challenged how easy it is to settle back. We were called Unlimited for three reasons. We wanted to be, uh, <laughs> it's been a long time, uh, unlimited in, in our um, in our love and acceptance of people, particularly young people. Unlimited by culture and tradition, not that they're bad, but where it's irrelevant or unhelpful. And unlimited in our faith and expectation of God. And I've been involved in loads of churches where we'd say, oh, well, we tried that, but it didn't work. Or, or we used to pray for healing for people, but then people aren't healed and it's pastorally really awkward. 
And, and we often scale back our faith to our experience. And, and we never wanted to be like that. And I realized towards the end of our time there, we'd totally done that. That when you prayed and not seen stuff happen, or, or when you'd, you'd seen a young person come to faith, but then their faith, they'd struggle backwards. We kind of managed and, and tried to fit where people were rather than expect more of God. Uh, and I think I'm really challenged never to hold back in our faith and, and try and fit the Bible or fit life to experience, but rather grapple with why our experience doesn't fit the Bible. It's amazing. Um, talking on, so I guess, themes of uh, people coming to God and experiencing God's love for them. They're, I don't know if everyone's been sort of following social media a little bit, but sort of this thing that's happening in America, in, um, in Asbury, uh, mm. this uh, sort of college campus where uh, there seems to be this move of God. Some people calling it a revival. Uh, they sort of had this prayer meeting. Um, or no, it was the usual chapel service on a Wednesday night, and they called people to uh, repent and to stay on if they wanted to, and I think it's been ongoing for like over a week of just non-stop, 24 hours, um, kids uh, across the campuses just coming in and pouring in. So something's, something's happening, and a few other colleges around that country are sort of catching on to it. Um, and so I don't... I, to call if revivals in the air or not, but um, I, I heard uh, um, John Tyson, who, who, uh, who I quote quite a lot in some of my sermons, um, uh, he's, he said recently um, about revival, and in, in some areas that we're in, almost revival's not the thing that we need, because in some cases you can't revive something that isn't there to begin with, and a lot of our generation are growing up without any Christian background, Christian faith at all, and he says, rather than revival, we need an awakening. Awakening. And um, what do you sense for maybe to, for Torbay, and then obviously you've got your remit as the whole of that, you know, that Plymouth area, some South Devon area as a bishop. What do you see as the is the need for, uh, yeah, South Devon, the people of the people of Devon, and then and for us as well as a church, Torbay. Can I just talk about the first bit first, which you didn't ask me about. Uh, What's happening in Asbury? So there's, for those of you who don't know, he's described it really well. It, it's, it was just a normal, they said it was quite a boring kind of chapel service. And yet people came back and they keep coming back. Uh, and I spent a lot of time really wanting the church to get up and get out and, and do more and pray more and expect more. But a, a struggle sometimes is we start praying for revival, which in one sense is great. And in one sense, if I'm being really blunt, I think is quite lazy. Because we want, we want God to have a massive outpouring of, of the Spirit and, and us all be overwhelmed by God and people flood in and become Christians. That's not normally how it works. The way people discover Jesus is by us individually being out there loving them and serving them. Uh, and it is what we saw in Unlimited was, was working with young people who, who didn't know anybody loved them or, or life was chaotic. And, and it was really hard working with them because they didn't turn up when you expected them to. When you'd made progress and, and their lives seemed to be better, they fell apart again. And it's just tough. And I, 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 one of my favorite passages, it used to be a song we sang. It talks about when Solomon rededicates the temple, that, that on that ancient day, that glory fall, they couldn't, couldn't start the service because God's presence was so strong. And that is a cry of my heart. But I wonder whether yearning for revival is yearning for a quick fix rather than God's real work. And lots of revivals come and go. And I think it is a move of God. 
but do we do the work alongside God? Um, so just, just on that, and it's in, sorry, just another thing, it's just, I've lost him now, but Gareth, uh, we were just in the Holy Land together, uh, and, and we went to the Wailing Wall, which is the, end, the edge of where the temple used to be. And I had two experiences there. One was just a real sadness. Everybody else was really excited by it. I was really saddened because there were thousands of people there trying to be close to where God's presence was, trying to be where the temple was to meet God. And yet Jesus said that this temple will be destroyed. And Jesus said that, that yeah, I will fill you with my presence. Uh, and so there are people there yearning, trying to get close to God, and God's going, I'm here. Uh, and even as Christians, but then at the same time, it is a place where God's presence has been, and people did have an incredible experience of God's presence there. And I was there going, partly this isn't where God's presence is, yeah, it's in us, but also, ooh, I want that. So I went three times in a weekend to just hope I'd get an experience of the presence of God. Uh, and annoyingly, all these curates got you know, a sense of God's presence, and I'm a bishop, and I didn't. Um, <laughs> But I think, and I think my theology is a bit dodgy, but, but I think actually there's something, you know, I, and then I was like, well, Asbury, I need to go there now. I need to tell my wife I need to go on pilgrimage again, because um, God's at work there. And then I thought, no, it's, it's expectation and hope. There's people praying. I would spend thousands and spend hours getting to a place to meet with God, and yet I spend 10 minutes praying in the morning. And do we have that openness? So my, back to the question. For Tor Bay, I'd love it if the church was a church that was knowing God is present in us. Christians not going, oh, they're seeing more of God, or I'm not good enough, or I need to go there to find God, but recognizing God's in us, and he's here, and he's close, and he wants to draw, he wants you to know more of him, and it's not that the person next to you has a better chance than you. Are you willing to let God fill you, transform you, change you? And are you willing to be the awakening in Torbay? Are you willing to be the people who go out and bring God's presence? And my heart is that the church would revive, wake up, not because of some miraculous, although I'd love that, a sense of God's outpouring, but just because we do what we believe. And we live out what we believe. And one of the things about Bay Church, I didn't say was, this isn't, we did, the church hasn't poured, you know, oodles of money into this place so you lot could be warm eventually and so you could have an amazing experience and so you could have the best tech the reason for bay church is people would come in here and find jesus yes that you would go out and serve people and they would find jesus yes that your lives would be transformed by jesus whether you've known him for years or not at all but also that you would be a church that multiplies that plants churches into places where we haven't got the resource otherwise to do it that you would go to the places other people can't go. So my dream for Torbay would be that you inspire other churches to be more who they are, rather than look at you and go, oh, we're Bay Church. But also that you would, you would set a model. And that's my hope across this whole area of Devon, that the church wouldn't go, oh, we're not what we were, or we're not like them, but we'd go, God's the same. And people need to know Jesus. And people are crying out for Jesus. The interesting thing about young people is they've discovered young people, it's not they have objections to faith. They just don't ask the questions anymore because it's so irrelevant. They've got a spiritual hunger, but they don't know where to take it, so they'll take it other places. They've got a hunger to be loved and wanted and needed, and we know the answer. 
So we need to help them join the dots. Sorry, that was a very long That's answer. amazing. That's amazing. That deserves a round of applause. I feel like that, that, that answer. Um, Bishop Jones, as we, uh, I guess, draw this to a close, and, and you're going you're gonna to pray for us and lead us through a bit of time in ministry as well, but is there, as, uh, as you sort of described in sort of your role as the, the, you know, a shepherd a sense, in a sense, yeah. um, uh, any, any shepherding thoughts, any encouragements for, for us, for me, I, I love encouragements. Um, or Matt, like you're for, doing a great for, job. <laughs> um, you know, as Bay Church, as, as, we, as we grow, from, from the person who is, yeah, just, just at the beginning there on Alpha, um, exploring faith, to, to the person whose faith has just come alive um, after, you know, 50, uh, 50 odd years or so. Like, you know, speak to all of us in one, in one comment and encouragement. <laughs> I think Christian faith is a lot about paradoxes. Two seemingly opposite things that are both true, but how do you hold them? And we tend to choose one or the other. And I'd lo- you're a church that, that kind of inspires vision and hope. You know, that you, your worship is great. You're, you're encouraging people to look beyond where they are and find God. And not to, to settle down, as I talked before about expectation, to pray that people's lives would be transformed. But the other thing is that life's really rubbish and really difficult. And we pray for big stuff and we don't see the small stuff at times. And I'd love to encourage you to be as faithful and full of expectation and never water it down, but also to be really real and honest. We don't need to hype anything up. Uh, when I was newly a bishop, uh, I had my first email of complaint about me. Uh, I've had many since. <laughs> Mainly about bishops generally. Um, I, I had the complaint because I'd, awkwardly I'd preached somewhere and then spoken at another meeting and this poor lady had been at both. And at both of them, I can't quite remember what I said, but I said something about just be really honest with God. Don't pull away from God in the stuff that's difficult. Just argue with God. God can cope with our honesty. And I think sometimes as Christians, we're fake. That we say it all, sing it all, but inside we're going, but God, you're not really, you don't really love me. Or God, if you love me, why is this happening in my life? Or, or I was promised this amazing Christian experience where my life would be perfect, but actually it's still really tough. And I'd say the, the, the real genius as Christians is when we can be so honest and real with God and with each other, not pretending anything, but also having the faith and expectation that God can do all things. And when you do that, people see it. Then they see real people with the struggles of life and Jesus making a difference. They want to know more. Because that's the cry of all our hearts. So be who you are. Do the best as Bay Church, but be really real. Because mm. there are people in this room who today, they're putting on their shiny, happy faces that life is so tough this morning for you. Mm. And God knows that. And God's not going, oh yeah, suck it up and get on with it. God's not going, I care more about the person next to you. God's going, I know, and I'm so proud you're here this morning. And it doesn't feel like there's a way forward, and it doesn't feel like there's hope. But I have hope for you, and I love you. And whatever it looks like next week, this week, I'm not over there. 
I'm right here with you in it. Bishop James, thank you so much. Can we thank um, our bishop this morning? Thank you.